huge stadium. Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. What's going on, Dodgers Nation? Welcome to the Dodgers Nation Post Game Show. I'm your host, Doug McCain. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. Thanks for rocking with us after the Dodgers get the dub. They beat the Brewers by a final score of 6-2. They improved to 72-46 and on the year. Your Los Angeles Dodgers are now 72-46, and nine games up on the San Francisco Giants in the NL West. They're continuing to gain separation. They're continuing to put the contenders like the San Diego Padres and the Diamondbacks and teams that were chasing the Dodgers. They were in front of the Dodgers at one point this season. Well, the Dodgers, they're far and away in front in this division. It was another great start for Bobby Miller, who continues to emerge, who continues to earn his spot in the postseason. That is the biggest takeaway from tonight's game. Bobby Miller continues to grow. This is against a Brewers line. This is against a potential postseason opponent. I was very impressed with Bobby Miller. He continues to get better, to get continues to be more efficient. I think that to me was my biggest takeaway from his performance tonight was that efficiency. He ends up going six innings allowed one run for on one hit had four strikeouts on 74 pitches. You look at his numbers tonight, not a ton of swing and miss, not a ton of strikeouts, but still getting the job done. He ends up allowing that base hit on the first against the first batter there, Christian Yelich. Then he retired the last 18 batters that he had faced. So we're going to break down his outing. I thought he was fantastic. It was great to see J.D. Martinez back in that lineup. He ends up getting the big double there in the sixth inning where the Dodgers put up a five spot. They end up getting a run in the fifth, a five spot there in the sixth. They win by a final score of six to two. They out hit the Brewers 10 to two. The Brewers end up getting another run later in the game off of Yarbrough. Santana hit a home run, but hey, Yarbrough got him back with that punch out to end the game. We're going to break down the entire game, but first, let me know where you're representing Dodgers Nation tonight. Give me your grade for Bobby Miller, because my trust level continues to go up. My confidence level continues to go up for Big Bob. He doesn't like the Bobby Ice nickname that I dubbed him that people have used. He likes Big Bob. I'm cool with that. I don't care what it is as long as you perform out there on the mound, because to me, he gives off that 
main character energy, right? That main character energy, and I think that is what I'm seeing from Bobby big time. But let's jump to the comment section. Thanks for rocking with us here on the Dodgers Nation post-game show. As always, let's try to get to 200 likes. 200 likes, like I said, those giveaways, the authentic Mookie Best jersey. If you're subscribed to the channel, you will be eligible to win. And like I said, we are just getting started. We will top everyone's giveaways. We're talking about authentic jerseys, not the stuff that is still really nice that costs 200 bucks. We're talking about the one that Mookie Bets wears on the field, that version, $340 plus tag. So more giveaways on the way, but we got Naples, Florida in the mix over here. By the way, I'm looking for that Dodgers dog of the game as always. If I get your Dodgers dog of the game, which is the Dodger that had the most dog in him tonight, you're going to see one of these. Dodger dog of the game. We got Anthony Keen. Bobby Askins an A++ extra plus just for not letting the first inning hiccup mess with his groove. That's a great point, Anthony Keen. I think that's something with Bobby Miller. We saw in the Reds game, gave the home run to Friedel. We saw him have some issues giving up big runs and big innings and kind of the wheels start to fall off, but that wasn't the case. He settled down very nicely going up against a really solid lineup in the Milwaukee Brewers, a team that has a lot to play for. We're not talking about the bottom feeders, those triple-A teams like the Rockies and the A's anymore. No, we're talking about a potential postseason opponent, a team that has been one of the better teams in Major League Baseball over the last decade. And yet for Bobby Miller to continue to prove that he is worthy of postseason starts, I think is the big story from tonight's game. And I think you bring up a great point there, not letting that first inning get to him, not letting that first inning affect him any way at all. I think that was massive because, yeah, I mean, I think young players particularly – they let big innings, they let big moments get to them, right? And you have to be poisoned. You have to be someone that can perform under pressure. And Bobby has talked about that. Just going to his breathing, just taking a step back, just taking a deep breath, and hey, he can get right back on track. And his first inning ERA this year is 415. And other than that, the fifth inning is a 10-1-2 ERA. So the four, first and the fifth are really the innings where he struggled, right? But last in, last performance, last outing, he ends up going into the seventh inning for the first time in his career. Tonight, he goes six innings. He could have gone deeper in that game. He could have absolutely gone deeper in that game. But his last start against the Diamondbacks, he pitches into the sixth. He had the four strikeouts again, the four walks, four hits. Tonight, another fantastic performance when you consider what he's building. And my theory on tonight's start is the reason why you don't put him back out there. I think there's already been some communication with this organization and Bobby Miller saying, hey, you will be pitching in the postseason. You are one of the four best starting pitchers in this rotation. I think that conversation has been had. And I think you want to preserve him. You want to make sure that the inning count doesn't go too up. That innings count needs to stay manageable. And I think that's what they're looking at. And tonight, it was a fantastic performance. He looked terrific out there I think the confidence continues to grow not just with the fastball which we saw in big counts I think some of the better at bats just blown away Willie Adamas four-seam fastball top of the zone those are the kind of pitches that win postseason series those are kind of the kind of pitches that get you contracts in the 200 to 300 million dollar range like that Garrett Cole money okay Bobby Miller you're gonna have tons of ice tons of diamonds around your neck if you continue to throw pitches like that but for me it's come for the fastball stay for the changeup because look at his changeup that has been one of his best pitches this season we look at his off-speed stuff hey 
heading into tonight's start, opponents were four for 30 against his changeup, hitting 133. You saw him use it on a masterful level to free lick the changeup at the bottom of the zone, looking the way he tunnels it so well. I mean, I think Bobby Miller is really going from a thrower to a pitcher in the matter of months, just being around Mark Pryor, being around the Clayton Kershaws of the world, and just absorbing everything. I think he's taken this task head on. I think he's taken it so well, and I think that he is not satisfied with just playing a role, with just being a guy that goes out there and filled innings during the regular season. No, he wants his moment. He wants to pitch in the postseason. Bobby Miller told me during spring training, go back and watch the interview, Bobby Miller told me he wanted to pitch in the World Series. That is a guy who told me that that had never even pitched in the show at that point. That shows you a guy that's brimming with confidence. That shows you a guy that has a standard for himself that he wants to reach the big stage, and that's why I think he's a future ace of this organization. But I know that I've been talking a big game about Bobby Miller. You guys know I love me some Bobby Ice. So let me get into your comments. And who is your Dodger dog of the game? Which Dodger had the most dog tonight? Because you can make the case, obviously, Bobby Miller, he was fantastic. He was phenomenal. But how about Kike Hernandez? How about Kike Hernandez? The at-bat he had there in the sixth inning to get those two RBIs, add those two runs, a nine-pitch at-bat. You can make a case for Kike Hernandez. You can make a case for J.D. Martinez, who gets the big RBI there in the fifth with his double off the wall, returning from the groin, from the hamstring, from pretty much a combination of ailments. I think you can make a case for him. How about James Outman, his diving catch? I think the way he plays that position, like he's a Pro Bowl linebacker there, I was impressed by that. I mean, can make the case for some, but who is your Dodger? Your dog of the game. And also, I'm looking for that Hornito shot takers comment of the game. By the way, only 25% of society, no, 25% of society cannot roll their R's. Like Hornitos. Are you one of those 25%? Let me know down below. Miller time, champagne of beers for, oh, I like that. Joseph Luca, that's our first Hornitos comment of the night. Joseph Luca says, Miller time, champagne of fears for hitters. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, we got Yo, Yo County of Angels. Win. Bobby Miller looks like he can be even better than Bueller. The fact that he has a plus combi, that's from Rake and Bake. Interesting. I think those are lofty expectations. I think the comparisons are natural because you have guys that early on in their careers, you had explosive four-seam fastballs, the way they wear their hat, the way they wear their pants, both from Kentucky. There's definitely some Bueller. He looks like big Bueller, right? He looks like giant Bueller out there on the mound. But I will say... I watched the Bueller start yesterday, game three of the 2018 World Series. The explosiveness and the perceived rise on Bueller's four-seam fastball when he was at his peak, and I'm not saying that he's not going to peak again, but when he was at his best, that's still a better pitch than anything Bobby Miller has in his bag right now. That's how dominant that pitch was for Walker Bueller. We're talking about a guy who really established himself as one of the best postseason pitchers, one of the best big game pitchers. So I still don't think that he's reached Walker Bueller's heights. I truly don't believe that because, yes, it's a great four-seam fastball as far as velocity. Doesn't have the movement, though, that Walker Bueller's had, especially working up in the zone. But I will say it's improving, and that's the most important thing from start to start you want to see incremental improvements for rookies like i always say progress is not linear right i mean there's ups and downs you see rough innings against the 
against the Giants where he had the bad start against the Astros where he gave the home run the grand slam to Bregman against the Giants who gave the home run to Lamont Wade he has had his setbacks but this is a guy who to me and I can tell you from firsthand knowledge is a student of pitching he's a guy that he is a sponge he listens to everything he's so coachable that's what I love about this kid and I think that his future is bright and his ceiling is that he's a number one starter but I don't want to put him in the Bueller category as of yet as far as the guy that's the potential to be better. I will say you bring up a great point in his secondary pitches are more advanced than Walker Buehler's were early, early in his career. I will give you that one. And look, he is landing his breaking ball in the zone. You saw that tonight on multiple occasions. So, yeah, I mean, it's a great conversation to have and I think it's a fun debate to have for sure. But kind of my point here is let's not forget how dominant Walker Bleep and Bueller was when he was fully healthy in his peak prime years when he would, no one couldn't touch him in the postseason. You got David Sabatini, always rock with us from the New York NYC. Smash that like button for your man, D-Mag. I appreciate you, as always, the queen of the Dodgers Nation postgame show, Diane Schroeder, everyone. Yeah, definitely smash that like button, guys. Let's get to 200 for your Dodgers. We can do it. Let's go. Let's go harder. Let's go faster. But uh, we got Jay Bull. I hate being right in this case, but I always had concerns around Joe Kelly. Dude is way too injury prone. That's from Jay Bullet TC. Yeah, I mean, look, Joe Kelly has been injury prone. There's no doubt about that. He's been on the IL eight times since the start of the 2020 season. You can practically send his mail to the IL because he practically lives there. And Look what happened after the 2020 season. He had the shoulder injury when he was back. He was throwing a lot of junk, wasn't going at the velocity. And look, it all goes back to the fact that the human arm isn't supposed to throw fastballs 99 miles per hour. It isn't supposed to throw knuckle curves that touch 90, right? And look, it's the gift and the curse. The reason why he's effective is because he empties the tank. He has that coil. He has that arm motion. And look, that's just a part of the game. Like Billy Bean said, there's two kinds of pitchers there's pitchers that haven't had Tommy John surgery and pitchers that will have Tommy John surgery at some point it's just the arm wasn't intended to do this to throw that little pill that little white thing with the the red seams in it as fast as it is and some players they can avoid injury for long stretches some can and and look the most important thing for Joe Kelly is that he can return and he contribute to this year's team in some capacity because they're going to need it but we got Robert Loya over on YouTube tonight was the Dodgers Miller time. Absolutely. Where the super chats at? What up, Ricardo Sand? Oh my guy, buddy, Ricardo Sandoval, my basketball, my basketball teammate. We ball in the office. We got one of those miniature basketball hoops you put on the door and it goes down. Just put it like that. JD almost hit another one out earlier. That's from Maddie man. Dodge. Yeah, I was really impressed with JD Martinez. I love you bring that up because J.D. is someone that is obsessed. He's absolutely, there's no other way to put it. J.D. Martinez is obsessed with hitting. Yesterday at Dodgers Stadium, they had Dodgers All Access, and J.D. Martinez needed to hit. He was at Loyola High School. Loyola High School getting at bats and putting some work in. And, yeah, it was great to see him contribute tonight and really just hit the ground running on his return. And, yeah, early in the game, and some of his at-bats, a little rusty, but he gets back on track. I mean, the second inning, he ends up striking out on the slider away, chases that slider. We've seen that a few times, but he goes up there in the fifth inning, and 
he ends up putting it together a really really nice at bat was kind of looking for that breaking ball the fastball a little bit in on the hands there and yeah let's talk about that sixth inning as well so sixth inning for that Dodgers team it's really where it all happened I mean Freeman he's or we the top of Freeman he popped a third to start the inning then Will Smith safe at first on the throwing air by Monasterio and then Muncy he singled to right and then we got runners on first and second. J.D. Martinez takes, he swings at the first pitch, a slider down and away. Same pitch that really got him at, to strike out. And then next pitch, he doubles off the wall, and that puts the Dodgers on top, two to one. So, yeah, it was nice to see J.D. Martinez have some success, and I, I think he is going to be absolutely crucial to the Dodgers' success in the postseason. They need him to be good. They need that 987 postseason OPS, and like I said, when they made the signing JD Martinez is going to be an upgrade to Justin Turner it's the meme with the upgrade key it's Justin Turner press the upgrade key and then it's JD Martinez it's not a slight on Justin Turner it's just the fact that look at that at bat right there Martinez didn't hit a single he hit a double right and you need slug if you want the dub finish the sentence guys let's go so down below in the comments section what are your thoughts on bobby miller do you think those those comparisons to walker bueller are fair we got kelton we have seen how much jd can deliver but do you have any concerns for his health come postseason that's from kelton over on youtube to an extent later i got some nuggets from dave roberts from the media scrum before the game that we, I think you guys need to know and that we'll get into in a little bit. You got a Shelby Miller update that I think is very encouraging. But look, Dave said before the game, J.D. Martinez is good to go. They're going to try to run him out there five in a row and they're still hopeful that he's going to make those starts this week and they're keeping a watchful eye. And what Dave said is, He's happy with how honest J.D. has been with how he feels, with his current condition. He gets the cortisone shot, and hopefully that alleviates all of his pain. He can go about the rest of the season. Because like I said, you kind of have to be a little selfish in these situations, okay? Because he's on a one-year, $10 million contract. He will not be back with the Dodgers, most likely. We know who the Dodgers want. It's Shohei Otani, right? And J.D. Martinez is going to put himself in a position to sign a another multi-year deal at a really nice price. I mean, he's going to give himself a nice bag that'll probably take him towards the end of his career. And that really was the plan to reinvigorate his career, to have a resurgent season. And he's done just that 25 home runs this season for JD Martinez. He made the all-star team. He's back on track. He's a Scott Boris client, but at the end of the day, he's a little older, right? And that's just how it is. But if you're the Dodgers, you just wanted to be healthy enough to make it through this postseason. And another thing, too, on top of that is you have this lead in the division. Yes, you're still chasing the Atlanta Braves. You want to overtake them if you can. But you have a this such a lead there in the NL West where, I mean, you're pulling away from this Giants team. You eight and a half, nine and a half. It'll be ten and a half, right? It's going to continue to expand. And with that luxury, you can rest him. You don't have to have him in there every day because it's not like you're fighting for a division title or anything like that. I will say, Dave also mentioned today that guys like J.D. Martinez, they like to play. They like to be in the lineup. But I do think you're going to get some rest. And the most important thing is you just tackle this and get to the bottom of it early and I think after what we've seen in the last few seasons as far as this team being decimated by injuries I think the fact that he was just playing tonight lets you know that they're confident that it can't get any worse so I would say my concern level is probably a six 
but that's just because of what I've seen the last few seasons from this organization, the players that they've lost. So, look, I think he's going to be just fine. I think he's going to have a big postseason. I think it was a great, great signing for this Dodger team. we got Fu says Miller Ice. You're going to get a comment of the game for that. Anthony Keene, this team has maybe the best bench that we've seen in quite Perfect. some time. That's from Anthony Keene. That's a great point. That's a great point, Anthony Keene. I think one thing I have to mention about that, too, is – well, one, this bench totally changed at the beginning of the season when Gavin Lux went down with the injury, right? When he suffered the season-ending knee injury, you know he was going to be gone for the year, most likely. Of course, there has been some talk about him trying to get back here towards the end. I've heard that's pretty unlikely, but still... Miguel Rojas was supposed to be a guy that was going to be a utility man, a guy that was going to be a better version of Hanser Alberto. And Miguel Rojas is starting, and he made some more superb plays in this game. The defense behind Bobby Miller was stellar tonight. Miguel Rojas made some plays. James Altman made some plays. So, yeah, the fact that not only is he contributing with his glove, where he grades out as one of the best defensive shortstops in the sport, well, he's contributing offensively. I mean, this guy is an RBI machine all of a sudden. That's what Joe Davis said during the broadcast, right? And just look at that bottom of the fifth inning. So the first inning there, top of the first. In a roaring stadium, their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. Bring them home. Bring them. The first pitch of the game, Bobby Miller, he gives up that single to Christian Yelich. Four-seam fastball in the inner half. Left it a little up, but next bat he walks Contreras. There then at bat, six pitch at bat. He was ahead in the count, one and two. And then he missed with the slider twice, and he missed with the sinker. Then he gets Santana to fly out. And then Freelick, he grounded to that fielder's choice on an 0-2 count, and that scored Yelich to give the Brewers an early one nothing lead. And he gets Adamas to ground out. So that inning, there was some bad Bobby there, of course, missing with location, walking batters. You don't want to see that. But after that, like I said, he retired 18 straight, and he was phenomenal. He was efficient for the rest of the night. He was trusting that fastball. He was working, his breaking stuff in the zone like we talked about earlier. That changeup during certain stretches was fantastic. But then you jump to the top of the fifth, the bottom of the fifth, who got the Dodgers on the board there? Well, Peralta, he hits the leadoff single. Then that's followed up by a double by Jason Hayward. He splits the gap there in right center. And you're talking about two scalding scorchers off the bat. Two rocket shots by two veteran players. You got J.J. doing the dance right there, setting up L.A. nicely with runners on second and third. And no outs. Next batter, James Altman. Not a great at-bat. Not great at-bats by James Altman in this one. He strikes out on three pitches. But that brings up Miguel Rojas with one out. And first pitch, he grounds the short. Peralta scores on the play to tie things up at one. So that is what he's bringing. I mean, he's contributing at the plate, of course, don't look at his season totals because it'll tell you he's one of the worst hitters as far as overall offensive production at his position. But things are starting to at least trend in the right direction to where he's putting together competitive at-bats and he's putting together big league at-bats. And that's the most important thing for Miguel Rojas. So, yeah, you bring up a great point. I love that point because this bench, like I talked to Dino Ebel 
on the field. I posted that interview on our YouTube page. He said that this team, you just some of those. Sometimes you get those special teams where when you need a big hit, you get that big hit. I mean, David Peralta. I think it really foreshadowed the season he was going to have for this team early in the year on Jackie Robinson Day against the Cubs when Altman gets the hit, then Vargas gets the hit, and then Peralta he gets a base hit, hits a ground ball to the right side that scored Altman to end the game, and then of course you saw the hit he had against Arizona last week. So you're getting clutch at bats for sure. Jumbo Dong just missed one. That's from Adam. We got we got uh, B1130 Miller Ice. 499 from Lorenzo Gaddis. He had that curveball working all night. If he commands that pitch consistently, two years will be the best pitcher in baseball. I'm calling it now. That's from Lorenzo Gaddis over on YouTube. That, my friend, is a fire take right there. That's an absolute fire take. And, yeah, it's a bold claim, but I like it. I like the confidence. I mean, that's the kind of confidence that, that he has in himself. And you bring up a great point in – that curveball. Look, I mean, you can't be a one-trick pony. You can't rely on just high velocity, right? I mean, there's a reason why all starting pitchers were at one point, all relievers at one point were starting pitchers, and sometimes you see relievers, they're able to get by on just having explosive fastballs. Well, the kind of pitch that Bob Miller wants to be he wants to have the secondary stuff. He wants to have the curveball, the slider, the changeup, the cutter. I mean, he has a true five-pitch mix that he commands. And, yeah, that curveball, a lot of to like. I mean, look at the bat against Frillick in the fourth. I mean, you start him off with the four-seam fastball, and then you get him swinging on that curveball. He fouls off a couple pitches. You throw him the sinker at 100 miles per hour. Then you throw that curveball, which at 81, you're talking about a 19-mile-per-hour differential there, and that's what you're looking for on that pitch. And then you bust him with the changeup that is in between the four-seam fastball, the sinker at 100, and the curveball. So that changeup's coming at 91. So you're looking at an 81 with the curve, 91 with the changeup, and 99 plus 100, 101. So that's why he can be so effective. So, yeah, I agree with the 100. As long as he continues to maintain the progress that he's made as far as refining his mechanics, I have no doubt either that Bobby Miller is going to establish himself as a frontline starter in this league. And you hit on one of those guys, let's be honest. I mean, it's like finding a quarterback in the NFL, right? There's really 15 good quarterbacks in the NFL, five really good quarterbacks, one Patrick Mahomes, right? If you're an A starting pitcher in Major League Baseball, you're one of really 15 or 20 guys that can do that on the planet, right? So it's definitely not something you just throw out there lightly. At least I don't, but we got HVR31. Miller has good horizontal movement, works better lower. David Sabatini, what up, my man? What happened to Jake Marisnik? He ended up getting, that's from Angie over on YouTube. He ended up getting transferred to that 60-day IL. Also, the Yarbrough dynamic with a change of arm speed inside is underrated. I think that's from Chris Serta over on YouTube. Yeah, you guys know how high I am on Ryan Yarbrough, and he's a guy that is going to have a prominent role for this team. I said a few weeks ago those piggyback starts with Ryan Yarbrough and Walker Buehler, they're going to be electric in the postseason. You're giving different looks, lefties, righties. This is someone who is in the one percentile when it comes to fastball speed, when it comes to striking guys out. But what he does do at an elite level is he induces soft contact. And I think that what you're going to get from him is someone who's going to be steady. And tonight, yeah, I mean, first of all, that home run was an absolute bomb. 
that was a bomb there in the seventh inning to Santana. I think the issue there is he falls behind the count and he misses with a cutter twice right there on the inner half and he missed at the top of the zone. Now on the third pitch, he just left that sinker a little out over the plate, 86 miles per hour and Santana absolutely obliterated 442 feet. I was sitting there thinking, if this is a Sunday game with that L.A. Heat, that could have been out of Dodger Stadium, right? That could have been a Giancarlo Stanton-type home run, a Mike Piazza-type home run, a Willie Stargell-type home run, a Fernando Tatis Jr.-type home run. You guys know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about home runs that have left the stadium. So he bounced back nicely, though, and that's what we love about him. I love these multi-inning relievers, guys that can stretch it out because he goes back out there. And I think from a mentality standpoint, standpoint he didn't let that bother him I mean when you have an offense like the Dodgers that is right there at the top of the league and they're on a nine game winning streak now they're 13 and one in August I mean they put together a five run sixth inning and guess what the Dodgers they did not hit a home run tonight and they won and that's a trend that you're seeing we saw three wins last week where they didn't hit a home run heading into that stretch the Dodgers were just 419 in games they didn't leave the yard so yeah, I mean, when you're Yarbrough, you're out there, and he came back there nicely in the ninth inning, and he got Yelly to fly to left, and nice soft contact. He got Contreras to ground to first, and then Santana, he strikes him out on three pitches. So he made the adjustment there. You don't leave balls out of the plate, especially on the outer half. He stayed right there on the inner half. Cutter, curve, curve, all on the inner half, all low and inside. So, yeah, it's an adjustment. I think he's someone that's going to benefit from the Dodgers pitching, coaching, their pitch sequencing. Mimi, you're my favorite YouTuber. I appreciate you. You guys are my favorite uh, YouTube commenters, man. You guys are the best. They'll give you a comment of the game for that. Appreciate you on that one, man. Dylan Hare, thinking Miller will be ready for October. Maturity is showing. That's from Dylan Hare. Yeah, Dylan, I agree with you 100%. I said it yesterday on Blue Heaven. He is absolutely going to participate in the postseason rotation. Only thing that could flip that on its axis a little bit, though, I will say is, one, how he finishes the season as far as workload. Does he have enough gas in the tank? And then, two, how does Walker Buehler look? How does Lance Lynn look? If Lance Lynn continues on the path that he is, the trajectory that he's on, where he's at a two ERA, the strikeout numbers are really good, just the home run issues are bad. So if Lance Lynn continues on this path that he's on, I think he's absolutely in line for some postseason starts. I think if Bobby Miller continues on the track that he's on, he's someone that absolutely I think is in the conversation. I think that they've already had this conversation. I think that is probably the plan right now and I think they're telling Bobby hey go six innings let's keep the pitch count down a little bit let's continue to develop and the last thing you want to do is throw him out there in the seventh inning gives up a couple of home runs and yeah you're waking up at three in the morning and you don't feel like you had a good start right so he had a good start he had a really really solid start he went out there and he did his thing once again I will ask you this let me ask you guys this down below in the comments section when do you want to see Bobby Miller in the postseason because there's a couple ways you can look at this and I'm going to read some more comments right now before I answer this question myself because I want to get your guys take on this is game one and two Kershaw Julio or do you go 
Maybe you go Julio game one, Bobby Miller game two, Kershaw game three, or Kershaw game one, Bobby Miller game two, or Julio game three, and you avoid having a rookie pitcher on the road in his first postseason series against an opponent like the Brewers or the Marlins or a team like that. I think for me, in a short series, I'm going with the guys that I think are going to give me the best chance to win game one and game two. And I think right now that is without a shadow of a doubt, out unequivocally is 100% Clayton Kershaw and Hulu Arias. So right now I'm saying if I go up 2-0, I know that even if I lose game three on the road with Bobby Miller on the mound or Lance Lynn on the mound, then I'm feeling okay about that. And then also if you take it to game four and Bobby Miller is your starter and you have Ryan Yarbrough available and you have a Walker Bueller available, it is a safety net. And then game five, can go back to Hulu Arias, who you could start in game one. So there are ways to do this, but for me, the way I look at it is I don't like that approach. I don't like that approach saying, okay, we want to protect the rookie pitcher by throwing him at home versus throwing him on the road because we don't have confidence in him because we think that he could be a liability. To me, if you can pitch in the postseason, you have to let it rip from the get-go. I think that's a loser's mentality. I truly believe that. I think it's a loser's mentality to say, oh, he can only pitch at home. Hell no. What was Bobby Miller's first start? Ask yourself that question. What do you do against the Atlanta Braves, against that potent lineup, okay? Bob Miller ain't afraid of those road grays against that road crowd. I'm telling you, this guy's built for this. He's got that main character energy. But Yarbrough is very underrated for what he can bring. Length and different look and speed. That's from Chris Serta over on YouTube. Jake Bogner, hey, Milwaukee, I'll brew you something. Love Miller, Bobby version. Jake, that's a comment of the night from our friends over at Hornitos. Please drink By the way, you are home with Jim Beam and Dodgers Nation. Please drink responsibly. Diane Schroeder saying 200 likes and Doug will do a shoey. I don't know about that. All I got is water right now. By the way, tomorrow morning, I'm interviewing my friend, Mr. Ryan Pepia. If you guys have any questions you want me to ask him, let me know down below. Could be something off the wall, too. I'll tell him it's from you. Ivy Strogan, hashtag Bobby's World. Great cartoon. What up, Dodgers fan? What up, Ivy Strogan? Always rocking with us. You know, I appreciate you. Too much of a whip. Uh, what's the injury situation with Blake trying? That's from Angie Chavira over on YouTube. So, yeah, I mean, we talked about this a couple of days ago on Blue Heaven. And, yeah, Blake Trinan is on his way back. Blake Trinan is someone that is going to get an opportunity, believe it or not, to pitch for this team in September at some point. And, like I said, the good thing is he's post-surgery, but he did throw one inning of a simulated game on Wednesday at the Dodgers Spring Training Complex in Arizona. So, it also, the news is he was throwing only 86 and 87 in a recent bullpen session, but that jumped up to 94 during the Wednesday session. And yeah, Dave Roberts said that Blake was in the 100th percentile. He said it was more than we anticipated. So, yeah, I mean, he's going to get opportunities to get back. That is the plan right now. There is a path for him to return at some point. I'm thinking mid-September, something around that time. And it's a shoulder injury. As long as the strength is there and the feel is there, I think they're going to give him a shot. And if that's the case, when you consider the injury to Joe Kelly, which they're saying is minor, but, hey, this is the Dodgers. They're so caged with injuries. You just never know. If you add a Blake Trinan, and you have a healthy Joe Kelly, all of a sudden this bullpen is a strength 
this bullpen is going to be a force because Evan Phillips is a top 10 bullpen piece. Bruce Dar Gratterall, I know that I give him flag for his inability to strike guys out in key situations, but you've even seen his strikeout numbers go up. You've even seen him gain more confidence in the slider, right? In the cutter, in his secondary stuff. And then you got Ryan Brazier, who to me is this year's Chris Martin, a guy they found, they picked up off the scrap heap, even though they traded Zach McKinstry for Chris Martin. Ryan Brazier, since they showed him that cutter, the velocity there, 97 miles per hour. He's someone that I think can absolutely trust, induces soft contact, misses barrels. And then you got Joe Kelly, who's a strikeout artist. He's striking out 50% of the batters that he's faced since joining the Dodgers. He's striking out a career high in batters this season. So he's someone that if he's healthy, he's going to be a weapon. And then you add a Blake Trinan, who the last time the Dodgers were deep in the postseason in 2021, he's your high leverage guy, right? So that's five dudes right there. And we're not even talking about a Caleb Ferguson or an Alex Vesia or what happens with Yancy Almonte, who looked better in his last start or the possibility of a Walker Bueller as a bullpen piece. So all of a sudden, if you do get a Blake Trinan back, that depth just takes it to a whole nother level. And like I said, the reason why I'm cautiously optimistic about Blake Trinan is he's post-surgery. For me, anytime there's an injury and you go the PRP route, and I'm not talking about power prayer for Blake Trinan. I'm talking about the platelet-rich plasma. Anytime you go that route, then I'm not optimistic. Then I'm saying, okay, you're just delaying the inevitable. You're going to have to go under the knife. We're going to see you in a tweet that also has Dr. Neil Elitroch at some point in the next two months. But that isn't the case. We're talking post-surgery. And yes, there always is the concern that you're not going to have the feel for the breaking stuff particularly. But I do think that it's something that you have to monitor. I think he is going to return. But uh, Anthony Keene, I'm loving Bobby Ice's trajectory. Super reminiscent of Fernando. That's Anthony Keene. That's a look. The Fernando story, of course, he doesn't pitch there. 1980 in the one-game playoff against the Astros. They go with Dave Goats. He was terrible. Fernando pitches in that game, pitches well. Then Jerry Royce, he's unable to go. They had multiple pitchers that couldn't go there who were scratched from their start in the opening day of 1981. But, yeah, I mean, Fernando, come on. I mean, first eight starts, he had five complete games, right? I mean, or he was unbelievable. He had a .4 ERA through his first eight starts. That's tough. I don't think we're ever going to see that again. Fernando was just once in the sport as far as just capturing the imagination of the country as far as stepping onto the scene and dominating the way he did. So, yeah, Bob Miller has been great, though. I mean, the best rookie pitcher we've seen in quite some time since Walker Buehler. Uh, BC, great opportunity here to win a World Series before Otani inevitably joins next season. That's a great point, BC. I think, I think if you're Otani... Yeah, his, his ass is going to be at home on the couch, right? He's going to be watching baseball. He's going to be taking in the Dodgers. So you want to show Otani what this franchise is about. And I think if I'm Shohei Otani, one thing I'm paying attention, if I'm watching the Dodgers this postseason, is one, look at all this young town. Look at all this cheap, controllable, cheap relative to baseball, right? Look at all these guys on young, cheap, controllable town. The James Albans of the world, the Bobby Miller's of the world, okay? These guys are pre-arbitration, right? And then you consider Gavin Lux is returning. And then you look at the established superstars. Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts are statistically the best duo the sport has ever seen. They are the best duo in L.A. since Kobe and Shaq, right? 
And you consider that those guys still have prime years left. You still have Will Smith. You still have Max Muncy. And then you look at what they're able to do. Another thing I'm looking at if I'm Shohei Otani is, hey, the Angels could afford J.D. Martinez. He didn't go to them. Why? Because Angels have no track record. Angels don't know how to develop. They don't have the coaching to get guys back on track and do what they did for Tyler Anderson and help guys reestablish themselves, right? Look at David Peralta. Look at Jason Hayward. So if I'm Otani, I'm saying they're going to take a lot of that money and give it to me. So what are they going to do on the margins? Well, the Dodgers this year are proving what they can do on the margins with the guys they've picked up. So here we go. Let's go. Uh, dear Doug, this is, is the year supposed to be an off year, too. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're by the way, man, I I, I mean, look, man, I'm not trying to be no one likes. I told you so, guy. I'm not trying to be that. But at the beginning of the year, I told you, do not believe in the Padres. OK, their trophy case looks like the toilet paper aisle at the beginning of COVID. Right. It's empty. Only thing they have there is a fake division banner trophy they probably made for themselves for being the Dodgers last year in the NLDS, right? So the Padres, they're the Murphy's Law team of Major League Baseball. What can go wrong will go wrong. So Yarbrough, man, is the truth. Gives me Alex Wood vibes. Anthony King, that's a fire take. I think Alex Wood vibes. I see some cleric in him. But Alex Wood, too, for sure. I mean, that's definitely the one right there. Uh, Can we shed light on Miggy Rowe making contact? That's from Chris BJ. Yeah, I mean, look, Miguel Rojas is someone that you value you the glove right you value the glove and you value the fact that he was not supposed to be in this role i keep saying that but i think it's important to continue to reiterate because of the fact that he was supposed to provide positional versatility to be a guy that was an elite glove that was a contingency plan if it didn't work out for Gavin Lux. But look, the reality is he's a 200 hitter. He's hitting 219. He's a 54 weighted runs created plus. So he's 46% below league average. He's hit two home runs on the year. But of late, he's starting to see more contact. And I think you have to realize that, yeah, he's not an automatic out. You just don't want him to be an automatic out. That's the thing, okay? Because you don't want to have the same feeling of a pitcher at the plate. Of course, not Fernando Valenzuela, who raked or or Hyunjin Ryu hit a home runner and guys like that. But still, the point I'm trying to make is you don't want to have it be one of those guys, right? So that, to me, is the most important thing is the fact that he's competitive. I think the fact that you brought in Ahmed Rosario has lit a fire under him, and I don't mean that in a bad way as far as he's coming to take his job. But I think just anytime that there's new players in a clubhouse, you want to show them what you can do. There's no one that's in the major leagues by accident, right? And Rojas, he has a lot of pride, and I think he's made some key adjustments. You're not seeing him too big on certain swings anymore. But 199, we got a super chat from Retro Yuki Productions. Dodgers for the win. Bobby Miller. Oh, that's a comment of the game. Here we go. Uh, let's read some more comments from Chris Taylor for the Savannah Bananas from Jay Bullet over on YouTube. Roy Estrada is dying here. She most certainly is. Prone to thrill. Seems all the deadline moves were bargains and adding massive value. Prone to thrill. Yeah, absolutely they are. And you got to give credit to this organization. And look, they still try to, even the guys they got, they still want to go out there and get Erod, Eduardo Rodriguez. They still made a push to go get Max Scherzer, to get Justin Verlander. This team was aggressive. I told you months ago they would be because this group they believed in. And yeah, these additions to this point, every single one of them has contributed. Every single night. I mean, tonight, you look at Kike Hernandez. To me, that was the at-bat of the game. Kike Hernandez put together a hell of an at-bat in tonight's game. 
and he continues to look better. I mean, what Dino Ebel told me over the weekend was they completely broke his swing down and they just cleaned everything up. There was a lot of moving parts. He was just out of sync and they completely cleaned it up. He's shorter to the ball. And I think for him, it's just putting on that Dodgers uniform. Some players, you just need that. And tonight he goes one for two, had two RBIs, had the one strikeout. But he's been phenomenal. He's been remarkable with the Dodgers. He's exceeded expectations to this point. Like I said, they're in the sixth inning. That was huge because to that point, J.D. Martinez had gone the double, and that put the Dodgers up 2-1. to one. Let's not forget, the Dodgers, they had gone 0 for 9 against Hauser to start this game. He was perfect through three, and he goes in to face Milner, and Milner, he gets up in the count 0-2, and, and then third pitch, Kike fouls it off, and then the fourth pitch, he takes a four-seam fastball away for ball one. Then he takes a four-seam fastball up and away for ball two. Then he fouls off the six-pitch, a changeup low and away. Fouls off a four-seam fastball. Middle of the zone, kind of missed one there. On the eighth pitch of the at-bat, he fouls off a curveball. And on the ninth pitch of the at-bat, he just takes a changeup. It goes right up the middle, gets the base hit, scores two runs. Muncie and Martinez score on the play to make it 4-1. to one. So that, to me, exemplifies the growth of Kike Hernandez since returning. Is You just saw him putting the ball in play, and good things are happening. For him, when he tends to struggle, it's when the strikeouts are up. You're seeing lazy fly balls. You're not seeing hard contact. But for him, he's so locked in right now. And I think that was his best at bat as a Dodgers so far. So I was very impressed by that at bat. And then a couple hitters later, after Altman singled to right, by the way, on another two-strike count, that brought up Rojas. And Rojas, he singled to left. That scored Kike to make it 5-1. to one. And on that pitch, he was just not trying to do too much either. It was a changeup right there. He hits it. It goes for a single to left, and that puts the Dodgers up. And then Mookie Betts, he gets his second hit of the game against Wilson. First pitch sinker right there on the inside corner. He just turns on it. It goes for a hit in the left field. And then that put the Dodgers up 6-1, to one, and that's all the runs they needed because other than that, you had the Yelly hit in the beginning. Miller was perfect after that, 18 straight, retired, and then he gave the home run to Santana. And then Freddie, how about this? Freddie Freeman in that big sixth inning, he popped out to third for the first out, and then he struck out swinging. Is Freddie Freeman a rally killer? No, I'm just playing. <laughs> but uh, here we go. What's up? We got, uh, hey, D-Mac, who gets the left off the playoff roster? CT3, Kike Rosar. It all depends. I mean, I think for this team and you look at this roster and who's going to contribute, I think you have to see how it plays out because I think they want to really keep all these guys and when you look at the margins right there, it's going to be tough to see who will ultimately get in. But, I mean, you theoretically could take all those guys. I mean, you don't have to leave anyone off that roster. And I think Rosario is someone who you know you traded for him to hit lefties. Kike, you trade him for positional versatility to hit lefties. CT3 is someone who has a track record of having success in the postseason. He's someone that brings that positional versatility as well. And, look, we'll see if everyone stays healthy down the stretch, too. There's something to be said for that but uh yeah then you got Peralta who's going to be big as well but yeah I mean at some point it's really just going to come down to how this team looks towards the end I think this Dodgers team they're just firing all cylinders right now you got key contributors across the board I think we'll see what happens in September when you expand those rosters 
to 28 and you got the call-ups and we got uh, LFG. We got uh, not only a curve, but two speeds to get them on a curve. Yeah, exactly. Prone to thrill. That's major too. This team is the 1988 Dodgers resilient. Roy Estrada. Yeah. I mean, this team has a lot more talent and a lot bigger payroll, but for sure. I mean, Oral Hershiser was a dog. That team was gritty though, for sure. And I think you're seeing that grit from this team. We got uh, D-Mac needs to do a shoey. I got a beer for tonight, but tomorrow, by the way, Blue Heaven, Clint's going to be out. He's gone camping, but I got my man Noah's going to be rocking with me on Blue Heaven. So check that out. Don't break Walker Buehler this year. Joseph Luca. Dave Roberts also wanted innings for Ryan D-Mac. That's from Prone to Thrill. Yeah, there's that too. I think the great point that you make uh, Prone to Thrill is that Riarbro's had most of his success as a starting pitcher, and he struggled coming out of the pen. So I think getting him comfortable in that role is going to be key too. And he's had success in the past too. I think that that was going to have some positive regressions to the meet at some point. But uh, Miller, number two star from Boomer Assassin. Craig Osterberg, pitching Miller third. Anayan says... Game four for Miller, Kirsch Miller for game one and two. <laughs> Yoni Bay, Kirsch for Kirsch Miller for game one and two at home. Yeah, so some of you guys like that idea. Moving up Peralta or Kike from Roy Estrada. Kirsch on Urias are no brainers. That's from Eric Moreno. Yeah, I agree with you. I think for everything they've done for this team, for this franchise last year, I think you look at Urias going in game one against the Padres, giving up three runs. Same with Kershaw there in game two, going five innings. That That's going to probably be the plan. D-Mag nine in a row from Jose Marquez. What about the Padres? What about the Padres? The Dodgers are the Padres Padre last time I checked. If Kirsch is healthy, Boomer Sassin, do you think Vargas will be back this season? Alberto Z. Barring an injury to one of the current players, I think it's highly unlikely, but I will say he's making a lot of progress down there at the AAA level. But uh, Chris Serta, remember that Miller has pitched in Atlanta and dealt. He has the dog in him for the bright lights. Yeah, that's what I said earlier, and I agree with you. We got uh, I like Urias, Bobby Eyes, King Kirsch, Lance, make him dance. I dig that starting rotation against anyone in the league noel Moreno asked pepio if he's got that step yo yeah i'll definitely throw something like that at him we got i'd be stroking my dude d-mac from here what up the rude dude you know i always appreciate you my guy i like your nick young uh, your nick young profile pick there d-mac ask pepio what gives him that pep in his step okay i, I see you guys have been watching the show for sure brandon 499 asked ryan when he's come back and if he's ready for the playoffs yeah i definitely want to talk to him about his role for sure and the good thing about pepio is he's built up yeah i'll give you guys some nuggets from dave roberts pre-game post-conference little scrum he did there and he had some notes about Ryan Pepio and about his start and I kind of just a little paraphrasing here is basically what he had to say was the fact that Pepio hasn't pitched with consistency obviously at this level because of the oblique strain where he was forced to miss over three months but also Guys at this level are throwing the ball well. So that is kind of what he has going against him at this point that you have to kind of factor in. But he said Pepio is built up. He had a great one. I think for us is expecting for him to go out there and do it again. Right now, guys are throwing the baseball well. To see him getting consistent outings is good for him. He also said that about Shelby Miller. So Shelby Miller is starting a rehab assignment. He's going to be going tomorrow. So they want two to three outings from him. 
and they want to see how he's feeling. He's thrown three times in Arizona. He's looked really good. The velo is good. Command is good. It's about getting him to OKC and responding to back-to-back. So now you add Shelby Miller and possibly Blake Trinan. Shelby Miller was really good in his stint this year before going out that injury. So that's something that I think really, I mean, Shelby Miller is someone, he has a very deceiving fastball. If you look at his stuff, plus he grades really well. I think he's someone that could absolutely help this team before he went down the injury. He had a 2-4 ERA, the FIP high at 4-5, a 25.8 strikeout rate. The walk rate was a little high. It's expected ERA, 246, expected FIP 5. So some of his expected stats don't love him, but and the bat pit was incredibly low. But Shelby Miller is a guy who is another arm that could absolutely contribute. So the more arms, the merrier, especially after what we saw last year. What else do we see from Doc? He said, Gus Varlin, he's the original Dodger. He likes him. Be ready when called upon. He's done some good things with player development, pitch sequencing. He talks about, I thought it was interesting what Dave Roberts said. They asked him about, Basically, is this a barometer series, a measuring stick, when you're considering that these are two postseason opponents potentially in the Marlins and the Brewers? He said, look, it's a measuring stick for the Brewers and the Marlins. He didn't see this series as a measuring stick for the Dodgers. He said that they measure themselves against themselves regardless of opponents. So I like that. I like that mindset, that mentality for him. And he also said they're trying to win every game. You have to be careful about complacency, not as a much of a dogfight right now for them. So hopefully it's not something that they're going to be battling. But a couple more here, guys, and let you go. And we'll see you guys tomorrow for the live or no, tomorrow, Thursday. Sorry, Thursday for the Blue Heaven podcast. Tomorrow we got the Pepio interview and another mailbag interview too. So also going to post some mailbag questions on YouTube. If you guys want to be a part of the mailbag episode, ask your questions. I'm going to make a post on it on YouTube, and then I'll answer your question on the episode for sure. But angels are going to regret not selling this trade deadline. What are you talking about, Anthony Keene? They're going to get a compensation pick. Mike Trout was a compensation pick, but no, I agree with you 100%. Artie Moreno is a trash owner, and they should have – Probably got Perry Maniason earlier. Do uh, you think Vargas will be back this season? Nope. Mike Marshall had a screwball. Yeah, he did have a screwball for sure. Hey, D-Mac, Big Bob dominated against Wisconsin. Let's give him a round of applause and a drink. There you go, DKM. Here's your, here's your comment of the game presented by Cotonitos. I love Vargas, but perfect. whose place he takes, he won't this year. Uh, do you think we'll keep Kike? I think he has been a game changer for the team. Just the energy and utility. I think anything's possible. I think these guys at the right price make sense. They truly do. It's just a matter of how well they perform down the stretch into the postseason. Because if they have themselves a solid postseason and they do have success, then I think that all bets are off. Because at the end of the day, players love playing for the Dodgers, but you always have to do what's best for you in your career because you're only playing this game for a, a short amount of time. And they always say at some point, someone's going to tell you that you can't play this kid's game anymore. And most of the time, it's not the player's choice. So it all depends on that. But I do think fit-wise, he does make sense. And I think that if you look at the success, the defense, I think he wants to improve upon, but he just continues to hit, especially in big spots. So I would love to see it. But, uh, yep, guys, your other show, DMAC, is with Batman, he and Robin. James Bostrom, I think you think I look like Burt Ward, right? <laughs> I appreciate you. James always uh, we got uh, <laughs> what 
What are your thoughts on the cab, man? We talked about him extensively yesterday on the Blue Heaven podcast. But, yeah, I mean, to me, I think he's kind of the odd man out, especially when you look at his lack of success at 920 postseason ERA. Struggled last year against the Padres. Struggled in 2020. It feels like he just hasn't been the same guy that he was when he went out that forearm strain. I mean, he's someone that was leading the National League in ERA, and the velocity's been down. It's been harder to recover in between starts. He's leaving that split change up in the zone. I'm just a little concerned about Tony Gonson. I'll just be quite honest with you. Uh, hot take. We won't see Vargas again in a Dodgers uniform. Play me or play me or trade me. First of all, I love your your username. Play me or trade me over on YouTube. Uh, yeah, anything's possible, man. At some point, you got to trade guys because they're assets and you can't keep all these prospects. I do think, though, that they are invested in Vargas. They see him as someone that brings some star potential. They see him as some guy that's a pure hitter that has a hit tool and they tend to give those guys longer leashes longer runways to try to prove themselves and i think they're going to give them another shot and see if they can get the version of miguel vargas that you're seeing right now in the minor league so we'll see i mean if the dodgers don't get otani and they want to try to make a big trade i mean you could use him as a piece but at the same token if you're the dodgers why would you trade vargas when his stock isn't as it at its highest right i mean if another team values him then i could see it but that's the only thing to consider as well but that's gonna do it for this episode of the dodger nation post game show we got j dog if otani comes how about trout that's from uh, that'd be great why not uh with robin love you brother <laughs> james uh, but that's going to do it, guys. Appreciate you rocking with us here on the Dodgers Nation post-game show. Dodgers get the win. We got, uh, we got. how about a shot to go to sleep? Here we go. This is all straight up uh, Hornitos in here. Appreciate you five bucks going the Otani fund, going the carne asada fries. But your Dodgers get the dub. They are in first place. They are running away with the division, 72 and 46 on pace for over 98 wins. Nine-game winning streak, 13 and 1 August. Bob Miller was outstanding. Once again, he continues to grow, continues to earn that postseason start that I think we are going to get from Bobby Big Time, from Big Bob. And you got that five-run, six-inning. J.D. Martinez made his return. This Dodgers team continues just to find ways to win ball games. But that is going to do it. Remember, there's nothing that brings us together quite like Dodger baseball. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the Dodgers Nation YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. Hit that like button. Fun. Appreciate you, Remy. Appreciate you, Nick Leva. Good night. We got Mario. You the best. You the best. Right back at you. Hog watch is sad. JK. JKid2323. Have the Dodgers peak too soon? I'd be stroking. Hopefully not, because last year we saw that they truly did. Uh, Jay Bullock, good, but get better soon, my man. But see you guys next time. And until next time, think blue, bleed blue, and I'm out. In a roaring stadium, their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.